Welcome to the Creative South Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Frostholm. My guest this week is Peter Del Tondo, Creative Director for Mossia and an integral part of the Creative South team. We talk about how he got his start with Creative South, design versus cancer, his path to Mossia, the benefits and challenges of being part of a remote team, and more, all right after this. If you like the podcast and want to help support us, head over to patreon.com slash creative south. Every dollar helps us cover hosting costs, upgrade equipment, and keep the podcast going. When you become a Creative South patron, you get access to exciting Creative South news before anyone else, Creative South podcast stickers and t-shirts, and you could even get your own podcast episode. So please help support the podcast by becoming a patron over at patreon.com slash creative south. Peter, thanks for joining me this morning. Thank you so much for having me. So let's uh, start off uh, at the very early stages. Where'd you grow up? Ooh, so uh, I moved out here to Orange County, California when I was about one mm-hmm. and got lucky enough to spend almost every day at Disneyland where all the characters knew my name and my mom and I would just hang out there and have a good time. And uh, other than that, just doing the usual kid stuff out here. Cool. So when you were growing up, were you a real arty kid or were you kind of sporty kid? I was totally the sporty kid. Uh, I did not do art class. I hated my lettering, or, you know, my handwriting. Uh, I, I, played... I, I still hate my handwriting, so. Yeah, I still do too. It's always frustrating when you're trying to letter a piece and you're like, nope, I don't like that at all. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I've, I played a competitive golf uh, in, I, I don't know, since I was like eight or something, but got recruited to play golf for the army and uh yeah it's totally sports that just seems odd to have that the army has a golf team to me yeah well i mean it, it's the u.s military academy at west point and right. so i totally would not have qualified to get in there on grades alone but i was good enough to make the sports team and uh you know got whatever way i could scrap my way into that school i took it hey so, I mean, was that a kind of a goal of yours to go to West Point? Did Was that something you had in mind or was that you got a scholarship there and heavily considered it? Uh, it was kind of both. I, when I was out playing, I think it was a tournament somewhere in New York, and the the recruiter from West Point was watching me and, and we talked a little bit afterwards and, and I just got really set on wanting to go there. Mm-hmm. And it was actually the only college that I applied to. And I remember in my interview process, because you have to get interviewed and like have all these appointments, um, mm-hmm. I think all the way up to the vice president. Mm-hmm. And it's been a long time, so I might have forgotten that. But uh, <laughs> I remember in one of my interviews, they're like, so what are you going to do if you don't get in? And I said, I'm going to go to community college and apply again next year. There is no option B here. This is where I want to go. And uh, and luckily I got in, you know, the first year. Gotcha. So- <laughs> So you're up at West Point playing golf. What are you studying while you're up there? You know, unfortunately, I didn't get to uh, to get into the academic year. I, I ended up getting injured with exercise-induced compartment syndrome, which don't Google it. The images are really, really bad and ugly, and you'll regret it if you do. Um, but it was just it was a painful time, and uh, 
I ended up getting an honorable medical discharge and, and coming back home and kind of hobbling around for the next year and, and getting tested as we figured out what was going on with my legs mm-hmm. uh, and came home and I, I kind of just took classes to to fill the time and keep busy. And so I was doing a lot of video production stuff because I enjoyed that in high school, a lot of psychology and business classes, which mm-hmm. didn't need to do at all. And then I would argue that on psychology considering what you do now. Yeah, somewhat. I mean, it was somewhat helpful, but I I ended up having so many more credits than I needed to get an AA, Mm -hmm. uh, but I didn't have enough credits in like a particular, you know, uh, direction to, to qualify for it. And so when I decided I ended up wanting to go to design school and I went to the fashion Institute of design and merchandising, Mm -hmm. I literally needed to take one PE class in order to go and take the, uh, the expedited track at FITM, which was one year, so half the cost. Mm-hmm. And so I wrapped up my PE class, and then I got to spend a year taking nothing but design classes, which was awesome. Uh, no more calculus and science and stuff like that. It was just pure design from there. Did you have a particular concentration while you were there? At, at FITM? Yes. Yeah, there it's, it was really only um, branding and, like, I forget what they called it, but movie poster design. Uh, and so I went down the branding route. Gotcha. Movie poster design seems oddly specific, but yeah. considering where you live, that I, th- I think it was like entertainment design or something like that, but it was really just how to design movie posters. Yeah. I, I think anywhere else in the country, you say that, and that, that makes absolutely no sense. Right. Being LA adjacent, that makes complete sense. Right. Right. Yeah. So you get out of there. Um, what do you end up doing after that? Uh, I worked at a fashion company out in LA for a little bit, which was miserable. Um, nice company, just it was a four-hour commute every day, and Ugh. my wife and I had just gotten married, so that was really tough. Uh, and then I ended up working at Mariner's Church uh, for almost the next year out here in Orange County, California, and that was, uh, I mean, still almost one of my favorite jobs, just working with some really great people and you know, getting to design stuff that, uh, you know, maybe made somebody feel comfortable at at church that weekend or, you know, at a stage in their life. And so that was, that was definitely a time that I treasure as far as what I got to do in my career. Gotcha. Well, let's kind of transition on that because I know that ties into the next piece of your story. How do you, what happened at, what happened at Mariner Church to kind of propel you into the next stage of, you know, finding out about Creative South and how did that all come about? Sure. So kind of before we get back into the Mariners stuff, um, sure. while I was working there, I I learned about Creative South. I think I saw, um, you know, I followed the the Hood Sisters, Amy and Jen, mm-hmm. out here in Orange County, and, and we hadn't even met yet. Um, but I, I saw that they were going to be speaking at Creative South. I went to the website and saw you know, people that I, I kind of just completely admired uh, up on Dribble and stuff, uh, Raji King, Nick Slater, mm-hmm. Sean McCabe, and, and, and so many other people, and I really wanted to go. And so I came back home to my wife. We, we tried to see if there was any way we could afford it because she was getting her teaching credential at the time and we're, and working as a student teacher. So mm-hmm. literally making negative negative income every week. And, and I, you don't make a whole lot of money, at, you know, working at a church. No. And we just, we couldn't afford it. And, and I still wanted to back stuff. So I, I backed the Kickstarter campaign. 
and just kind of like let things go from there. Mm -hmm. In between that, uh, there was a huge layoff wave at, at Mariners and I think like 10% of the church staff got laid off mm -hmm. and I was the newest member of the team and I, uh, you know, I got first I got in cut. first or last in first out. Yeah. And I mean, it was, it was tough. I loved the job and I remember like they're telling me this and I'm just like man tears, just man tears are coming down. And I told him, you know, if anything changes and I can get, I can get back here. Um, you know, if the money returns, like, please let me know. And I'd love to come back. Mm -hmm. And a couple weeks before, um, I had gotten a call from Mike mm -hmm. and he just said, Hey, this is Mike Jones from the creative South conference. I really feel like God's calling me to get you out here. And I've got a plane ticket with your name on it. I've got, uh, your hotel covered, your ticket for the conference, like everything, just come on out here and, and be my VIP guest. And I just didn't know what to say. And, you know, we're, we're like Googling the guy, like, who's this random person that is <laughs> Am I going to be kidnapped me? in Georgia and hear dueling yeah. banjos? Oh, and, and I mean, like when he was trying to get my information and, and I think subconsciously I knew something might be happening at the time, but I'm very uncomfortable with handouts. And so I, I don't know, maybe I made it as difficult as possible but he's asking me stuff on, on Twitter, like, and I, I still go back once in a while and I look at him and laugh, but it's messages like, what's your full birth name and what's your birthday and your social security number? If you were to fly out from this airport, what would it be? And like, it, it was just, it was funny stuff like that. And, and, and I think that's why he ended up calling me because he got frustrated that I wouldn't give him a, a straight answer on those things. Cause I'd say September 8th, not the birth year as well. And, right. um, you know, just made it a little tough, but. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, and th this is also back in the time where you could still only do 140 characters in Twitter direct messages. Too. Yeah, this is true too. <laughs> um, so you know, it, it was just it was crazy, and it, and it was this like wild roller coaster uh, because I got I like officially got my pass and everything and, and ticket from him uh, the day before I got laid off, mm -hmm. and so I got to Creative South, and you know, I pulled him aside and I just said, "Man, you have." You have no idea how much this means to me because I just lost my job. And, and I always thought, you know, my goal uh, would be to, to go full time freelance at some point and, and like run my own shop. But I figured that was like five or eight years out into the future. Sure. I didn't think it was now. And so it, it forced me to kind of get in the deep end and and sink or swim. And, you know, Mike had just left his job as well. And mm -hmm. I remember him telling me like, we're going to do some awesome stuff together this year. And, and I think he really just said that at the time to be nice. And I right. don't think either of us knew how true that would be and, and how much we would be working together, you know, going forward in the future. Uh, so it, it was just a crazy, crazy connection. And, you know, obviously I'm super grateful and would do anything ever for Mike and his family uh, you know, <laughs> and, and the entire Creative Cell staff because of what they've done for me. Yeah. Well, you know, touching on that, that's kind of how, we connected twos and, and we'll, this will take us back to your design versus cancer stuff. You were doing the giveaway on design versus cancer. My wife and I entered to win and four or five people turning it down later. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we were the lucky winners. So I, you know, I, Tina and I both owe a great debt of uh, gratitude to you for that because it really opened up our world. You guys are, I mean, it, like I love hearing things like that about just the weird, 
um, are not weird. Like they're so intentional, but just how many connections people have like that, that, Mm -hmm. um, I know there were a lot of giveaways this year and people got to experience the conference for their first time. And, and I love that you and Tina, I mean, I talked about this in my talk at creative South, but like you guys totally embody the get to know people, make connections and, and look like, what is it now? Two or three years later, you three you're years running later. the creative self podcast. Like that's yeah. so wild that that is happening. Yeah. That, it, it still shocks me every day. So <laughs> whenever I have to sit down and uh, record it, I'm just like, how the heck did I get here? It's <laughs> <laughs> awesome, man. So it's, uh, it's been a blast and seeing behind the scenes this year was really incredible and very eye opening of how much work and how much shuffling last minute because of, it's crazy. Things I'm glad happen. no one yeah. gets to see it because there's so much going on. Yeah, the fires that get put out like <laughs> last minute. And then I don't know. I don't even think I've told Mike this. So w- right before I was going on to record with Mike, we were plugging in the mics f- into my recorder. And one of the things that we plugged it in sparked. Oh, no. So there was almost a literal fire. <laughs> oh, geez. That was that was terrifying. <laughs> To uh, the, the the look on the sound girl's face. Well, at least it happened before, you know, the whiskey got thrown all over the stage. Ex- yeah, exactly. <laughs> I still wish I could have seen that. I would, oh, we yeah. had to leave early and I missed that part. We're sitting backstage <laughs> with towels like they're still going. Just clean it up. Clean it up. <laughs> Don't let it match. <laughs> so so since, you know, I Tina and I got there through design versus cancer. Let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Um so I just I have to make sure I touch on this right away because apparently in the nervousness of my talk I forgot to mention my mom is doing great. Uh, I I told the story during the talk that you know she got diagnosed with stage four cancer, uh, mm-hmm. stage four breast cancer, and that's what initiated me to to start this was I I didn't know what to do to help my parents and right. uh, you know it's it's tough because you you kind of just feel helpless during that time and I can imagine. Yeah. And, and I just looked at it like, well, what, what can I do that uses my time, talent and treasures to, to help them? Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I saw was my mom was just completely wiped of energy, even before she got into chemo treatments and stuff. Uh, my dad was taking time off cause he went to literally every single doctor's appointment with her. Sure. And I just looked at it like, how are, are you guys going to be okay? Can you, can you pay your rent this month? Mm-hmm. And like just things like that, that, um, you know, really kind of scared me. And I realized that so many people that are going through this are, are suffering in that way. And so we don't focus on like the preventative cancer research side. We focus on people that need help right now because they're going through this and how can we assist? And so, yeah, it's that in the moment, you know, you're having to miss work. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, you know, I've got some amazing, amazing friends and I I believe that the design community is the best community. And we got, I just reached out to people and told them my story and and my mom's story and just said, Hey, this is what we're going to be doing. And would you be interested in, in designing something for a a shirt or a poster? Uh, and we're going to put this up on Kickstarter and, and raise some money and get things printed and, and get rocking and rolling. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's been awesome. I got to work with a ton of designers who I admire and look up to, you know, folks like Mary Kate McDevitt and Sergey mm-hmm. Shapiro and, um, a ton of creative South folks, you know, Enon Avital was there this year, Joseph Alessio, Mike Jones, Kendrick Kidd, Scott Fuller, 
Um, and I'm, I'm sure I'm leaving people out, which I feel terrible, but, uh, you know, just, just so many great folks and it's, it's awesome to see people come back each year and, you know, Oh, I got this t-shirt and it's so soft and it's my favorite. And I need to get like two more of this one. And I want to get this one too. And, and everybody loves the, the cause of it. And mm-hmm. we can all relate because sadly it's something that's generally affected, you know, almost all of us. Yeah. In some um, way or another. Yeah. And, uh, and it, it, it's tough. Um, and so, you know, it, it's been great to, to hear stuff. Like I've had a couple people request, uh, uh, my buddy, Sel Thompson's don't be afraid poster. And like, mm-hmm. they'll ask me, Hey, would you hand letter or hand write a, a note, um, to my friend because they're about to start chemo and, and, and I want to send this poster to them. And it's like, okay, if I get one of those period during the course of running this or, you know, one, one a year, like that makes it all worth it for, for me to, 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 to put the time into this. Cause I, I don't pay myself for it. It's just something that I like to do and I, and I want to give back and support people and support the design community. And it's so amazing to see how big of an impact, um, possibly receiving one of these items is from a friend, uh, mm-hmm. during that time. And, and then any way that we can help people financially is, is great. Um, and so just to, to recap, cause I want to make sure I get it this time. So my mom just had her six month, uh, all clear MRI and everything came back great. And awesome. uh, so she's doing really well. So I know I forgot to mention that last tidbit <laughs> in the talk, but if you're listening, she's doing great. And she thanks all of you guys for all of her support. Well, let's talk about kind of the business model behind that. Cause I know you're kind of shifting focus on that a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, without getting into specifics, what was kind of your reasoning behind that? Sure. So in short, what we're going to change is we're going to go from the, the larger, you know, run the online shop all year, uh, and shifting into a smaller pop-up shop model. Um, and, and the reason being is that when I started design versus cancer, I was full-time freelance and, you know, my own boss. And I basically, figured out like I could income wise spend one day a week donating my time to design versus cancer. And so I would be scheduling out social media posts. I'd be engaging with everybody on social media and I would reply to every single tweet, Facebook, email, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And between now working full time, um, over at Masio, uh, helping out with creative South side projects, uh, having a baby, you know, being married, <laughs> having a baby. Uh, it, it's just, it's too Are much. Are you saying for me. kids take up time? They, they take up just a little bit of time and you lose a little bit of sleep. How inconvenient uh, <laughs> of them. But, uh, yeah. So it's just, I, I look at it like, I, I don't feel as though we're being as successful as we could be on the larger scale. Uh, mm-hmm. however, whenever we go to conferences, like we do really, really well and, and we're able to raise a lot of money to help people. So, Rather than kind of, I think, kind of scramble during the year to, you know, do, honestly, just kind of mediocre uh, online sales, I, I'd mm-hmm. rather put the the focus into showing up to Creative South every year, get some new products in the mix, and do something really cool. And, you know, if it means uh, we make a little bit less, but we can do it, you know, more effectively, or, hey, you know what, if we get some some new designs in there, I think we'd probably do even better, so... Uh, I, I'm excited to see how that goes this next year and test that out and mm-hmm. and uh, and see what we can do. 
Awesome. Well, you know, you mentioned side projects in there. Let's talk about some of your other side projects. I know one of the big ones you have is Construct. Um, so how did that come about? Yeah. So Construct is something we, we've shifted that one a little bit too with priorities in life, but, um, now it's kind of a, Hey, when we go out and shoot something like, uh, I I work with Alicia Cologne, Mm -hmm. uh, who's an amazing photographer over at Focus Lab, uh, Mike Jones and Rob DeVarney on this project. And, and it's kind of something whenever any of us come up with something that we're like, Oh, this is cool. Let's go sell it. We, we, you know, we do the residual income thing. We put it up on our website and up on creative market and, and a couple other marketplaces and, um, you know, see what they do. And so mm-hmm. uh, Alicia is fantastic at the styling of scenes and, yeah. you know, having a graphic design background too, I think she can see how a designer would want and need to use it. Mm-hmm. And so we do a lot of cool mock-ups and like coffee bars and collab spaces. And then we got crazy and we did some stuff out like camping scenes and beach scenes and like on a boat, uh, you know, just because, and, uh, and it's really cool. So she does all the photography. I do all the mock-ups and, you know, do all the smart object stuff. And, uh, and we put that out there and, you know, it provides a little bit of extra income for each of us each month for a little fun money or, you know, little savings here and there. And, uh, and we have a couple, blast with couple it. extra Starbucks a month. Exactly. So <laughs> it, it, it's a blast. Uh, you know, we're not as focused on it as, as we were at one time. Um, but uh, it, it's still a fun avenue just to to do something after work and let your mind go, make a couple mock-ups and, you know, make money on it for the rest of your life. Passive income. It's the way to go. Yeah. So um, are there any other side projects you've got going on? Yeah. Or coming so up? <laughs> coming up. Um, and depending when this launches, it might be up for a little bit. But I had this idea at Creative South. Uh, I had a lot of people coming up to me and, and saying, you know, could you check out my stuff and, and like, you know, my, my work and, and let me know what you think of, you know, my focus should be or what are my strongest pieces or kind of help me analyze some projects and see how I can improve that. And, and I get that kind of request on Twitter a lot and I do these little like screen recordings for people and try mm-hmm. to, you know, Hey, this margins off two two pixels or this is shifted text size. Here's big, you know, stuff like that. And, uh, I had this idea one night at creative South and, then kind of further conversations throughout the week, I was like, I need to go make this thing right now. So I'm going to be launching a site, uh, PortfolioLunch.com, uh, as though you go out and have lunch with somebody. And, and if the name changes, we'll let people know in the show notes or something. <laughs> but uh, the, the idea is basically if you were to ask somebody to kind of mentor you and say, hey, can I, can I take you to lunch this week and can I show you some work and, and review it with me? It's, it's that same idea. And it's, it's obviously something I, I don't really want to do to, you know, like it's not a new job or anything. I just, I just want to help people out. And so, sure. uh, I'm going to set it up where you can go online, um, make a reservation with me, you know, maybe twice a week mm-hmm. and, uh, I'll sit down with somebody on a Google hangout and, you know, just go through all their work together and, and try to lift them up and, and show them, you know, different things that maybe they should be focusing on or certain pieces that they should highlight, do more case studies on, uh, you know, just how they can put their best foot forward, hopefully land that new job that they're trying to get. Or, uh, if they're trying to shift into a different field, you know, give them some advice on that. They need to get a website up and running to showcase their portfolio. 
excuse me, give them some information and tools on, on how to do those things. And um, I, I want to treat it exactly like a lunch. So it's going to cost 10 bucks. And it's going to be <laughs> like you, you went out literally and, and took me out to lunch and, you know, bought me a sandwich or a salad or something like that. Uh, I, I think people value stuff more when they have to pay for it. And that's why I'm obviously not charging like my hourly rate or anything. But, um, you know, I want people so, to take so it So a hundred plus dollars an hour is, uh, you feel is excessive for that? I, you know what? It's, it, it's, I don't think it's excessive. I think there's a lot of value in it, but that's not the purpose of this. I really just no, want to help people you. and, you know, hit up, uh, some design students and stuff and, and be able to help them out during their portfolio weeks, like things like that. Um, sure. so it's just, it's something fun that I think is, is going to be a blast to do and, and just give back to the to the design community. Well, and I imagine since you work remotely, um, though I know you guys are starting an office with your day job, and we'll uh, touch on that in a minute. It's got to be nice to be able to talk to someone uh, and actually see their face. Oh, totally. I mean, that that's the nice part with like Google Hangouts is we can get in there, have a face to face conversation, um, you know, talk a little bit about what their goals are and things like that, and then start doing a screen share and take a look at each other's work and, and see, see what we can do. Sure. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so, you know, the, offering a little advice here and you can take it or throw it out. And this ties back into your design versus cancer. You wrote that, you wrote, what is it like 13, 14 part series yep. about freelance business. That's something that you could easily co-opt and adapt and put in there that would be helpful for other people. That's totally another small side project, which I'm not <laughs> able to give all the details about yet. But well, uh, you and I will talk about that off air. Yeah. <laughs> so a lot of work went into that project. So I'm finding another way to, to recycle that into something else. Yeah, because I mean, uh, even for me and I mean, you know, realistically, I have, you know, more experience than you because I'm. 15 years older than you. Yeah, I was going to say, we'll, we'll just <laughs> older. Yeah, just older. Um, actually, I don't think I'm 15 years older than you. I'm only like 10 or 12. <laughs> Young whippersnappers. Yeah, exactly. Just wait till you wake up in the morning and feel worse than when you went to bed, and it's not a hangover. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but yeah, that I mean, that series that you did on there really helped me a lot of just thinking of things in a way that I hadn't approached them before. So, and I think that's one of those things that everybody can learn something no matter where you are in your career is if you just look at something from somebody else's point of view, it'll open your eyes in a way that you may not have thought of. Yeah. I'm excited to go back to that blog series and, and update all the posts, you know, if there's new things that I've learned or whatnot, because Mm -hmm. a lot of that blog series was just like, Hey, I mean, it's not written that way, but in reality it was like, here's all the stuff that I failed at and learned not to do it that particular way anymore. And this is now the the way or method that I do those things and just kind of communicating that to people. And I spent a lot of time interviewing like Rob and Mike and and other people. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I mean, it, I wrote it, but it was really a collective thought of, you know, Hey, here's the way that we do a lot of these things and, um, breaking down different business models, different I mean, we gave away our contracts and stuff. I mean, anything that, you know, could potentially help people. Sure. And it was a fun series. I've, I've actually hired people that contacted me through that series that they learned something. And uh, a couple of them showed up to Creative South this year. So that was uh-huh. super cool to run into them. And I, I'm glad people are still getting stuff out of that. Very cool. 
So um, I'm interested to see what you do with it in the future. Yeah, I'll tell you about it after the show. Yes, definitely. I'm not, I'm not ready to give details on that. It's going to be a way bigger project. <laughs> awesome. <clears throat> Excuse me. So let's kind of transition into what your role is now and how you kind of got there. Yeah. Uh, so I'm currently the creative director over at Masio, and uh, we are a creative agency. Uh, we, we specialize in product design and development as well as branding. And uh, I get to work with my you know, best friends over there, uh, Rob Devarnia and Mike Jones. Uh, Rob heads up the development and engineering department and, and Mike heads up all the branding stuff. And so it's a lot of fun. Uh, and kind of the way that worked was Rob and I worked together at a previous agency. And, and mm-hmm. Rob and I obviously, and Mike, we all worked together in the past in freelance. And I knew Rob was going to be leaving uh, our previous work and I didn't have enough faith in the development stuff there to handle what the design team was producing. And, uh, I I started looking elsewhere and, Mm -hmm. uh, actually right about that time I saw Corey, uh, Haggard, uh, who's the, one of the co-founders at managing partners at Masio put up a post and I was like, Hey, you know what? I just, I don't care about titles. I just, I want to step, I want to roll up my sleeves and start making stuff again. Uh And, you know, I I was kind of tired of just sitting in meetings and doing sales pitches and things like that. And, and I just wanted to get back into the mix and and do what I love the most. And I know uh, that feeling well. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Well, I love Anton and Irene said it so well in their talk. And I remember hearing them say this months ago when I saw them in San Diego. And that is the better you get in your career, the farther you tend to get from the things that you're best at. And that, that just kind of like really hit home for me. And I just, I miss design. And so, uh, it was actually while I was out on paternity leave, Mm -hmm. uh, I started talking to them and, uh, they're like, yeah, you know, we, we'd love to have you on board and we actually want you to, to run the team too. And I was like, Oh shoot, I don't want to do this. And then, (laughs) (laughs) um, you know, we we were talking and, and just the way that their company is structured, uh, it's so different. And so I actually, I still get my own project at all times and, you know, we're we're a smaller remote team. And so it works out really well. Uh, you know, we've got a fantastic, uh, team of designers. I, I love that the, the owners there are, are still active in the industry. I mean, they're designers, Mm -hmm. they're developers, they get it. And so the business is running away that if any of us were to say, okay, here's all the collective knowledge I know over the years and how I would run a company and how I would want to be treated. Like it's that it's just, it's as simple as that. And so, you know, we, we've got a great team. We, we get to work on some really awesome projects. We, we focus a lot on the UX, which I know a lot of agencies will tell you they do that, but they don't. And, uh, you know, I think it shows cause it's like, Oh, well this is pretty, but it doesn't function. And we spend a lot right. of time making sure that things function correctly. And we really, really collaborate with our clients and I have never seen, or I've never been anywhere that has had better client, uh, agency, you know, relations for mm-hmm. the simple fact that the client feels as though they are truly a part of the process and the project. Mm-hmm. And in the end, we created the best thing together rather than siloing off and saying like, yeah, 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 we know you're the client, but like, just trust us. We know what you want. And we come back and it's not quite that. Like we work together and 
I mean, the the projects just finish so much better, um, and and probably fun. a little faster too. Oh yeah, I mean, we. I think my first project here, I finished in six weeks or eight weeks, and I like I couldn't believe it because that probably would have taken eight months. You know, at yeah. Th- I mean, six eight weeks is a pretty quick turnaround in that. So well, I mean, you, you're not getting bogged down with with meetings for meetings anymore, and yeah, we have one person dedicated to a project, so they literally just burn through, and it, and it's not the the fire engine drill. This is actually what my wife and I were talking about the other day. It's like <laughs> we're no longer doing the oh my god, everybody shift off and work on this project for the next two weeks because we overpromised and we need to put out the fire. Uh-huh. And then seven other projects are now off track. Like everything runs smooth all the time. And it's, it's almost mind boggling. Like sometimes I don't believe it, but it, it keeps happening. Well, it doesn't hurt that, uh, at least everybody on the team that I've met is really nice. So everyone's really nice. And, and you know what? Everybody's super talented. I mean, we've got another creative South family veteran, uh, David Kovalev on the team. And I mean, the guy is so, so talented and, and everybody has their own strengths. Like, uh, I think Corey and David are, are stronger, not in the comparison thing. Like I talked about in my talk, but like they're, they're stronger on the design side and, mm-hmm. and Jarrett and I, I think are a little bit stronger on the UX side. And so when we work together on these projects, like what we marry in the middle for is, is the best. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we walk through every, every possible option at all times. Like, nope, that doesn't work. Nope, that doesn't work. Like that's a little bit better. And you just keep going through that cycle and, and we, we run through all those things and there's always someone else thinking of something you didn't think of. And it, it gets us those best solutions. And I I think a a lot of other companies, you know, they find an idea and they run with it and they don't think about the hundred other possible scenarios that could really impact the project. Yeah. You've got, I mean, if you, if you're working on a project, at least for me, you've got to have somebody who's going to objectively analyze it, but you also need someone who's going to do for lack of a better term, the devil's advocate of oh yeah, why this won't work. And, you know, <clears throat> that's that's always an interesting dynamic to roll through because it's never fun to be the person who has to say no, but a lot of times there's a good reason to say no. Right. And, and getting people to understand if you're saying no, or at least I would hope if you're saying no, you're not just doing it because you don't want to do something or you're, mm-hmm. you know, just saying no to say no you're doing it with a reason behind that and yeah that's that's a huge thing i mean i'm usually the one playing devil's advocate the most (laughs) and and i think that's also something where our clients respect us for that because Mm -hmm. it's really easy for agencies especially when it's like well these companies are paying our bills and you know they just kind of like run with it and if they get told to do something they just kind of blindly do it and like they bash their heads and they complain about it in the background yeah. And and we don't do that. Like we talk to our clients every day and we've had stuff of like, hey, they want to switch to this color, which no, like you can't use red for like the green go ahead. Red means bad. Red means don't touch this. Red <laughs> yeah. means warning. And like we'll just we'll get on with clients and and I'm not going to use any particular right, like examples. But, you know, if something is being recommended and it's not the right solution or it's just a bad idea we will continue to talk to them and obviously very respectfully um, and everything, but like we will explain the reasoning as to why we'll have supporting evidence and whatnot. And we've always had our clients say, Hey, you know what? Thank you for pushing back on us and for kind of not letting up on it because 
we can see now that that would have been a mistake to do. And they appreciate that like openness and collaboration. So mm-hmm. that communication is really, really key. And, and if they don't agree with you, you don't work. With, I mean, no. <laughs> <laughs> we won't take your money. <laughs> There's a line in the sand. So, <laughs> yeah, compromise is a uh, valuable tool in business. Yeah. <laughs> Talking yourself out of a job is never a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, well, so, you know, y'all work remotely. Um, I know that there is now a actual physical office in Tampa and y'all have talked about opening one where you're at. Yep. How does, how does the working remotely as a collaborative team work? How does that operate? Yeah. So, um, it's really great. Uh, I, I actually think a lot of times for different reasons, there's advantages than being together in an office at the same time there's disadvantages. Uh, and if people get a chance, uh, and maybe we can link them up in the show notes or something, but sure. we did, we did a really cool blog series on like why we work remote, the advantages, the tools we use and stuff like that. So, so folks can check that out. Um, but you know, we, we try to stay big on the communication side. So we, we utilize Google Hangouts. We, we get up every day together as a team, as well as with our clients, we uh, we use Slack for communication, which is primarily like animated GIF sharing, which makes me happy. And uh, <laughs> uh, we also use Screen Hero, which is built into Slack for instant screen sharing with each other. Mm-hmm. And that also allows us to take control of each other's screens. And so, you know, I can jump on with Jarrett and like he can be looking at what I'm working on and be like, yeah, let's move this up two pixels. I'm like, boom, he, he moved it. I didn't have to do that. And so now do you ever do that to screw with them? Yeah. Every once in a while, somebody starts tapping stuff just to <laughs> be funny. Um, <laughs> but, uh, it, it, it's a great way for us to, to work, you know, very effectively. I mean, we can sit on a call, Corey and Jared do it all the time. Like they'll just work together for like an hour or two mm-hmm. and sit there and kind of pair design. And it, it allows us to, you know, go through all those things as though we sat next to each other and, and just flush out ideas and, and run things through and, oh, well, I have an idea. Okay, we'll take control of the screen and do it. And, and it, it's great to be able to, to have that capability. And <coughs> because we're remote, I think we're a little bit more efficient in our time and that like there's not as many office distractions and, you know, side conversations or spur of the moment meetings and things like that. And so you kind of get left alone for like you have your client meetings in the mornings Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whatever client you're working on, you got to stand up and then we have our team stand up. And then after that, like you're, you get to just laser in and get in the zone and get things done. And I think that's where our efficiency is, is really high. Um, there's, there's definitely advantages to being in the office that we're looking forward to, uh, where, you know, we want to have a big whiteboard wall and mm-hmm. be able to throw ideas out there and just kind of spitball and have a little bit more of that, like personal communication, personal touch and, and collaboration. Uh, and so, you know, we, we opened up our first office out in, uh, in Tampa. Mm -hmm. And so we're trying to kind of build satellite teams out of our main location. So we'll, we'll be in Tampa. We're opening up in Irvine next month, uh, or in May ish, um, assuming the building is is completed by then. (laughs) And then we'll probably, you know, open up in, uh, Houston, Texas area as well soon. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we, we, we still want to keep some of the remote aspects. So, you know, I'll probably go into the office three days a week or so. Um, mm-hmm. or, you know, I might go in in the morning or something and come back home. But, uh, 
we, we, we just want to encourage that, that kind of collaboration and be able to, to throw out new ideas and, and get people like comfortable working with each other, um, kind of on these little like teams and squads sure. and, uh, and just produce awesome stuff. What do you think are the cons of working remotely? Um, it takes a different type of person and experience, I think, to work remote. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a lot harder to work with junior designers uh, just because, you know, and again, not, not that it's a bad thing. Um, everybody's got to learn and stuff, but they do require more hand holdings, the wrong word, but just kind of like supervision and um, assistance of like, okay, you know, teaching them as you go. Like you got to let them know like spacing and colors and type styles, type sizes, like all these things. And it, your critiques tend to be more on the technical side rather than the, like the UX or the flow of things Uh um, that you would get with a senior designer. And so hiring less experienced people is, is definitely more of a challenge. Um, I think also it takes a lot more effort to make the the team feel like a team and family. And that's something we work really, really hard on, uh, to, to foster that type of culture within the company, um, being remote. Uh, other than that, I mean, I I think you need people that know really well how to manage their time, how to Uh set work hours and boundaries and things like that. Uh, when I worked for myself and I worked at home, I mean, I would not have made a good remote employee (laughs) three, four years ago. Uh, but you know, we, my wife and I had to figure out like working remote meant, I couldn't do my laundry. I couldn't go to the grocery store for us and like vacuum the house and things like if you can't do those things, if you were out at an office, then you shouldn't be doing those things when you're remote during remote hours. Sure. Uh, And so it's just stuff like that. And, you know, unfortunately not everybody is like equipped for, for that type of work environment. Right. Um, Or it takes some experience and, you know, it's, hopefully they've had that experience before they've joined the team, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, I know for me, like I've been a big proponent at my office place since I am the lone creative out of 1200 people of no, I need that flexibility to be able to work remotely because I can't just bounce from project to project to project. Right. Like the rest of our marketing team, which is they, all they do is write proposals and presentations. So that being able to transition, you don't have to put yourself in a different mindset. You're doing the Mm -hmm. exact same thing just for a different company. And when you're doing creative, it's, you know, each project is so individual as far as the way it operates, the way it looks, the way it feels that it's not a by the numbers thing. So transitioning between projects can be really tough. And when you're in an environment where you're having to stop every 10 minutes to, you know, go to a meeting or something like that. It's super distracting and it takes you twice as long to get back into it. Oh, totally. I mean, I remember at my old office, uh, it was like really long. It was almost like a football field length. Mm -hmm. And I mean, there were times like I would shut off the lights in my office and just hope no one would see me and pretend you weren't there just so getting (laughs) emails out or something. And like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't take the walk to go to the bathroom when I needed to, because I was so afraid it was going to be, you know, 10 conversations later. And then the next did you, meeting, did you just go then. full Howard Hughes and get the jars? And yeah, line them up in the yeah, corner? A, a little bucket in the corner. No, uh, <laughs> but, but like, it, it just, it's crazy. And so that, that was the biggest shift for me coming back to remote of like, 
wow, it's noon and I basically completed everything I needed for the day. So, sure. you know, I'll get ahead on tomorrow now. And, and, and that's the, the difference. Um, it can be a little tougher too with kids. I mean, I know you've got two boys and, yeah. and my daughter's almost nine months now. And, uh, I, I'm kind of looking forward to having the office just because I love being home. I love being able to like open up my door, walk into the living room and give my wife and daughter a hug and a kiss mm-hmm. and, you know, spend time with them at lunch and stuff. But I know there's going to hit a point where when she gets a little bit older and especially since my office is also her nursery, um, when she needs to take that back over fully, like it'll be nice to have somewhere to go on a day where maybe she's just being cranky and, you know, being a, being a baby and they, they yell and scream for a while and I can step out and, uh-huh. and go get some, some work done without, you know, kind of that background noise and stuff. So it, it'll be nice to have the flexibility of that, but I definitely appreciate and love and hopefully we'll never have to give up, you know, having some remote time to, to be with my, my wife and daughter. Cause it's amazing. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, and I know for me, it you know, that productivity level can go way up if things are going smoothly. But if, you know, on the downside, if my kids are, you know, overly needy that day, it can go right. way down, too. Yeah. And, I mean, like, I, I've got I've got a little app on my computer where it'll mute my, mute my microphone unless I'm like pushing the talk. And there's some days where, you know what, even if she's in the other bedroom on the other side of the apartment, like she's still screaming and you can hear it through the microphone. And so uh-huh. I only push to talk when I have to, and I try to keep that noise down to a minimum. Uh, but you know, what happens and it is what it is. Gotcha. Well, um, you know, talking about Masio and, you know, you're acting as CD now and getting to work on your own projects. How do you balance that time between getting to work on your own projects and the managerial duties of being a creative director? Yeah. So we have a super, super healthy work-life balance over there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we, we have flex time, but the, the times I choose to, to work on, um, I, I, I work from eight to four. I realistically mm-hmm. work about seven thirty to four thirty every day. Uh, but like, we're very big on, okay, like you, you put in your day, get off the computer. And I mean, I've, I've had them like threaten to revoke my Slack access if I'm on too much. Um, they're, they're just, they're really great about that. I mean, for anybody on the team, if we see you on late, if we see you're working, it's like, go, go get done. You know, we don't do fire drills with clients. We, we don't work weekends. We, we don't do the late night launch stuff. Like we plan and execute properly. And, and we, I mean, I've been there nine months now and never once have we run into that, those kind of issues. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, we, we just plan out and, and, and do things the right way. Um, and so for, for me to balance out that kind of stuff, it's, it's much easier from the family aspect. Sure. Uh, you know, I actually, I get to spend my weekends with my family and it's just weekends. There's, there's no extra work. Uh, we also, Masio does a pretty progressive four day work week. So we only work on client work Monday through Thursday mm-hmm. and Friday we reserve that time for personal growth case studies, our own internal marketing needs. Like we're in the process of relaunching our site, which is probably up by the time this is up. Um, so go check it out. And, uh, you know, it's kind of nice because it it allows you to shut down your brain a little bit from work mode on Fridays. And like, if you were to take your Saturday and just make cool stuff because you, you wanted to, and that was your free time, like 
that kind of becomes your Friday. And then the weekend is truly your weekend. So I usually don't touch my computer at all Saturday and Sunday and, and just spend time with the family. Um, I've kind of shifted to not doing much freelance anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I get projects, I usually try to bring it in to Masio uh, and, and work on it there. Uh, I, I've just decided that for me, it's more important to spend time with my wife and daughter right now than to try to, you know, burn the late night oil or, or work on the weekends. And, you know, it, it's a sacrifice. I'm saying, I'm saying no to more money, but at the same time, I'm saying yes to more family time. Uh, and yeah, well, I mean, and end of your life, which is going to be more important to you. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like I, when I die, I don't care if anybody says, Oh, Peter was like the greatest designer of all time, or he did this project. Like, None of that matters. Um, you know, I, I just want to be an awesome husband and father and son and friend and all that good stuff. And hopefully, grandparent um, at some point. Yes, that'd be cool. It's crazy in like fifty years, though. Yeah. One day having a child. <laughs> yes, uh, in fifty years, and yeah. Until then, she will never meet a boy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll keep it. We'll keep it that way. The baseball bat's gonna stay close. Yes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I just try to prioritize stuff that way. So kind of design versus cancer construct and, and the portfolio lunch. Like I, I spend a little bit time on each of those. Uh, but, but that kind of caps it out for me and sure. I and I mean, overdo it. I mean, I know technically those are freelance and side projects, but I, I mean, at least for me and not, not you, cause you're the one working on them, but that's different than taking on like client work. Yeah, and it, there's, you know, you can do it when you feel like it, there's no pressure to get stuff done. Right. It's, I I try to, I still try to do stuff on the side because I I think it's fun and engaging, Mm -hmm. but like my, my focus and attention there has shifted. So for, for Rob and I, so Rob Devarney and I, we kind of have this deal with each other that every quarter we want to put out something new. Mm -hmm. And I mean like this, this past quarter was basically all creative South stuff. So we did the creative South website, we did the creative South app and that was kind of our project. Sure. Um, and then we're actually meeting probably for breakfast, um, with a wife and girlfriend next week, uh, to talk about an app idea that we've got and, and see if that's something that we want to execute out on. So, mm-hmm. you know, we, we have these ideas and these kind of passion projects and, and, you know, we, we try to see what we can do for ourselves. Um, sure. you know, what we want to make rather than, I, I just I find dealing with freelance clients when especially when they know you're working on it like nights and weekends, it's just life isn't as happy and smooth. And so, yeah, well, and they you, you can get a lot of clients that will kind of take advantage of that and think that, oh, since they're working on nights and weekends, that means they're available at all hours, too. Right. Which isn't really the case because we're human, too, and like to sleep and eat. Totally. And spend time with our families. Yeah, I, I just look at it like every time you say yes to something, it means saying no to something else. Right. And so I, I just try to be really selective as to what those things I say yes to now are. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, if I got some crazy cool freelance project that came in, I might not say no to it, but I, I need to you know weigh what it's going to cost me. You know, if it's family time or, or other things, uh, you, you just got to take a look at stuff. Yeah, I, I'm I'm very much the same way. I I don't do a ton of freelance stuff because I mean, a I have the podcast, so that takes up a few hours yep. a week. <laughs> um, and then you know I've got a full time job, and by the time I get home at night, because we work a weird weird schedule too, where it's 
you know, Monday through Thursday, it's from 7.30 to 5.30, and I live 30 minutes mm -hmm. away. So by the time I get home, it's, you know, if I'm lucky, 6 o'clock. Right. Because, you know, and then Fridays we work half days, and in, cool. in theory, and only Peter can see me doing the air quotes right now. <laughs> um, but very rarely has it actually been that, you know, four-hour workday. Right. Um, so... You know, the last thing I want to do is take away more time from my family. Like you said, it, yeah, having more money would be nice. It, you know, helps you, you know, if you need a new car, um, right. you know, if, which, which we were just looking at that. So we're like, all right, we'll take on this one project and like that'll kind of help towards the down payment for it. And you, there's always times to say yes to things. Yeah. But you just, I think when you start saying yes to everything, your life just falls apart and you, yeah, are like what the heck is going on right now? And, it's pandemonium. So yeah. you, you just, you gotta, you have to learn to say no. And unfortunately, I think too many people learn that a little bit later in their careers. It took me a while. I know that. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, cool. Let's, um, kind of wrapping up aside from the stuff that we talked about with like portfolio launch and kind of the reworking of DVC. Um, what's coming up for you? Just keep going on with work. Um, like I said, portfolio lunch is going to be really cool. I'm excited for that. Uh, I would love to do a couple more talks. I, I had a really good time at Creative South. It was completely terrifying. Um, <laughs> I only had one like, oops, I forgot the order of something. Let's rewind and redo that. Uh, In your you defense, know. that was more the clicker than you. <laughs> yeah, the clicker was throwing everybody off. But I, you know, I, I walked off stage and I, I kind of felt like a little down of like, I had spent so much time on the presentation and, and I knew the timing was vital on stuff. And so the remote not working, you know, didn't help, but <laughs> I was like, you know, man, I, I just, I, I had a lot of pressure on myself because of what creative South means to me that I just sure. wanted to nail it. And I, I know like, that feeling, <laughs> ah, you know, I, I didn't get it all the way there. Yeah. And then when I came home and I watched the tape, I was like, you know what? I, I, I did pretty good. Like I was I'm actually really happy with that. And, and I, it made me more excited that if I get to do, if I get the opportunity to do it again, um, I know what I can improve on and, and make it better. So, uh, I would love to, to talk more. And so if anybody is listening that has a conference or event, I would love to help inspire people and share my story. And that would be a lot of fun. So I, I think stuff like that would be great. I want to keep making awesome stuff over at Masio. I'm excited for the changes at, at Design vs. Cancer to, to see how we work on that pop-up shop. And other than that, I mean, we got a zoo pass yesterday to the San Diego Zoo. So a lot of zoo time with the family, and, and that's, that's the stuff that's important to me. I mean, the work stuff's cool, but I, I want to you know, do fun stuff with, uh, with the family, go swimming with my daughter. She loves hitting the pool. We did that yesterday. <laughs> that was a blast. You know, just things like that fun <clears throat> excuse me so where can people find you online so you can find me pretty much on everything i mean dribble instagram facebook twitter i started snapchat I'm slowly figuring out how the heck that thing works yeah you're um, gonna have to fill me in after this <laughs> yeah it's interesting but it's a lot of fun I'm, I'm actually having a blast following with people and watching them just be silly and not like necessarily professional and it's kind of fun seeing that side of things so um you can find me everywhere at Peter Del Tondo, uh, D E L T O N D O since my name's really hard to spell. Uh, and yeah, just, you know, follow, follow me along on stuff. And I try to share a little bit of 
everything, you know, between work and, and some personal life stuff and come be a part of the journey. Awesome. Thank you, Peter. I appreciate you taking the time. Thanks for having me. I, I really appreciate it. And I'm so glad you're doing the podcast now. It's, it's awesome. Thanks. It's been a blast. So we end every podcast um, by saying go out and hug some necks. So would you uh, take us out and say it? Sure. So uh, as Mike Jones would say it, word, go hug some necks. <laughs> Thanks, Peter. I'll talk to you later. Take care. You can follow Peter on Dribble and Twitter at Peter Del Condo. And check out the show notes for more ways to interact with him. You can keep up with the podcast on Twitter at Creative SO Pod and follow Creative South on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Creative South GA or over at CreativeSouthGA.com. And I'm at Jay Frostholm on Dribble, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you like the Creative South podcast, head over to iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play Music. Rate us and leave a review. This helps more people find the podcast and allows us to keep getting awesome guests. Now go out and hug some necks.